Oh my goodness. It is unbelievably yet another amazing Saturday. We're getting back together around our virtual coffee table for another great time. So put on the brakes, grab a cup of coffee, or whatever you like to drink, and join the conversation because it is time once again for Coffee Breaks with Steve. And here we are on another Saturday. Welcome to Coffee Breaks with Steve on this Saturday, February 11th, 2023. If you're tuning in live, do what some people are already doing here and say hello in the chat. And make sure when we get through into our topics today that you are joining the conversation. Jerry Zetterval, good morning. And uh, Shalane is here. Ooh, I know this song. Yeah. And Jason, Jage Zetterval is here. Carissa is here. That is a Burt Bacharach song. And yes, that was a little in honor of Burt Bacharach, who passed away this past week at the age of 94. So many songs, so many memories tied to the songs. Just uh, really <clears throat> my era, my era because I'm old. Burt Bacharach songs were everywhere. Dion Warwick was singing them. Tom Jones was singing them. The Carpenters. I mean, there were just so many artists and so many songs. I still encounter songs that I go, oh, yeah, that was a Burt Bacharach, too. And uh, Arthur's theme was uh, was the one that you just heard playing, and that was a Burt Bacharach song. So in honor of uh, one of the greatest pop music and, and uh, just music writers, composers of all time, Burt Bacharach. Well, let's see what's going on this week. Kathy Garlic, hello, Rick Venturi. Good morning. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm sounding a little bit hoarse. I'll explain a couple of things here. I think I mentioned last week that we'd see how I was doing this week because I had a little medical procedure, surgical procedure scheduled for this past week. So Thursday I went in to have what was supposed to be a laparoscopic surgery, was a laparoscopic surgery up to a certain point, uh, done and um, they for this they they put you completely under so the hoarseness right now that I've got is just left over from the fact that I had a tube down my throat I was I was completely under and I had a tube down my throat I don't want to go into a ton of detail but they got started with the laparoscopic surgery and they got the camera in there and and discovered that the item that they needed to remove from inside me um, <clears throat> they weren't going to be able to do it laparoscopically so they finished right there closed it up. So I have a boo-boo down in my lower tummy. Uh, it was supposed to be one of four incisions they were going to make, and they only made the one. So that is a bit, it's a bit tender. It's a bit sore. But now the bottom line is I've got to go back in probably sometime in the next two or three weeks, and they have to actually do a full-fledged, like, open me up surgery. That's as far into the details as I'm going to get, but like, okay, let's get it done, right? So we'll see how that goes. I'm not positive if that surgery means I, I make, did the stupid mistake of starting to research it online. And when we were checking out on Thursday, the, my surgeon said that it would still only be a day surgery, like I'd be in and out the same day. What I'm reading online doesn't sound like that. So we'll see what happens. I'm good with it either way because it's got to get finished. Anyway, I'm here. I'm doing all right. Got up, got dressed this morning, even took a shower feeling somewhat human, <clears throat> but this I still have to deal with. So let's do this. Anyway, 
How are we doing today? How's everybody doing where you're at? How are you feeling? How's the weather? Don't forget Dion. I'm not going to forget Dion Warwick, Kathy Garlic, at all, ever. Um, drink to Bacharach. That's right. February. Thank you, Kathy. Yeah, I'm working on trying to say that. Last week, Jonathan Siegel gave me some hints. So you just remember that word brew in the middle, right? February. So that's just not an easy one to say. What is going on this week? Let's talk a little bit about some of the... Um, some of the fun things that we got happening this week. I don't want that one up. We finished with that one. I want this one up here. I want to talk about special days and what we have happening this week. Um, February 11th through February 17th, which is next Friday. Today is National Don't Cry Over Spilled Milk Day. I love that saying, don't cry over spilled milk, which we all me know means that when things happen that are outside of our control, you know, things are going to happen in life. Sometimes they're going to try to do something laparoscopically and it doesn't work. All right. I'm going to get off that topic. Anyway, don't cry over spilled milk. That's today. Don't, don't let yourself get too tied up with the things that something happened that was outside of your control. Let it go, as they say in Frozen. Also today is National Inventors Day. It's just a, day with, a few weeks ago, we had a National Kid Inventors Day. This is just general National Inventors you know, the, the people who invent the things that we use every day. And so much of the stuff, so much of the technology and the inventions have come in the last hundred years or so. You think about, you know, at the beginning of the 20th century, how many things sort of came into being. We had the, the automobile and airplane and started to get electricity and homes and telephones and all those things that we just take for granted now. And this, this is National Inventors Day. So, you know, we can also raise our cup of whatever to all the people who've invented all of the conveniences that we get to enjoy, right? And that's meant I get take another sip. Uh, let's see what, what else is coming up this week. The 13th is National Tortellini Day. Tortellini's, of course, a part of the Italian cuisine. Are you a tortellini fan? You ever made your own homemade tortellinis? Have you ever done that at home? Tortellini day. What do you like to have stuffed in your tortellinis? February 14th. I know where you th where you thought I was going to start off with February 14th. I thought this was even more important to mention is that February 14th is National Donor Day, organ donors. And you can usually you can do that like when you get your driver's license, you can also do that. I think that there is, yeah, like organdonor.gov. You see there's the, the website is right on there. You can sign up to be an organ donor. Make sure that that is all of your official paperwork and stuff. If you, I'll say if you have to go to the hospital for surgery or something, man, I cannot get off that topic. Talk about being a little bit obsessed with something. Um, but that is happening on the 14th. Also on the 14th, of course, is Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. If you have a sweetheart, a significant other, what do you usually do around Valentine's Day? Do you exchange cards? Do you go out someplace? Are there gifts? How do you celebrate Valentine's Day when it comes up every year? They say that the biggest, uh, the biggest expenses, and they say Valentine's Day, like everything else, is getting more expensive. And the biggest, uh, the most common gifts at Valentine's Day are, are cards, the Valentine's Day cards, and candy. And then flowers, I think, come after that one. And then you have like jewelry and, and dinners and a variety of other things that people do and spend money on. But happy Valentine's Day. Then the following day is Singles Awareness Day. The only thing I don't like about I think it's good that we recognize that not everybody 
is is in a relationship where they're going to celebrate Valentine's Day and it can there are people who really feel overlooked and excluded. And so several years ago, this became a thing, Singles Awareness Day. And I started to say, the only thing I don't really like about it is the acronym that is often used that you see there, SAD, SAD. My hope is that people who are single are for the most part, I know that there are a lot of situations, different situations that cause people to be single, but there is, there are a large number. There's a large, how do I want to say this? There is a large quantity. There are a lot of people, hang on. I'll get it together, out there who aren't necessarily single as a result of a breakup or as a result of a loss. They just, they're single and they're okay with it. And it's okay to be single. And I think it's okay to, to celebrate your singleness too. So hopefully if you're celebrating single aware, Singles Awareness Day, it's with good things. And you can even get together with friends, right? You can still do things with people. Single doesn't mean lonely or it doesn't have to mean that. Anyway, get off on that. Um, kind of, you know, following up on that, February 17th, Random Acts of Kindness Day. February 17th is Friday, and it's just a day to recognize, once again, you don't have to wait for a special day of the year to do this, but just a day to really focus in on doing those random acts of kindness, things that are just, you know, it's seeing something that needs to be done, seeing someone who might need a hand with something, and just doing that thing with no thought of doing something in return. Some people on random acts of kindness day will do things like when they're going through their Starbucks, there's, they'll say things like I'm paying for the person behind me. And you've probably seen these things where that just sort of takes on uh, this. It becomes a, like a domino effect that, that the next person, when they find out that the person ahead of them paid for their drinks, they say, well, then I'm paying for the person behind me. And it just carries on for quite a while. But there are things you can do. A lot of people will look and say, you know, my neighbor's lawn could stand to be mowed. I'm just going to do it. It could be any number of things that you do, and sometimes even anonymously, because we don't need to take credit for those random acts, do we? And then uh, I wanted to mention a few, I think we've got a few birthdays, including one today. Twyla Taylor is a lovely lady, a wonderful, wonderful lady who today is celebrating her 90th birthday, 90 years young today, Twyla. So happy birthday. I don't know if any, I'm just looking to see if any of Twyla's family is on here today. If, uh, if you tune into this later and you see this and you can, Twyla's been on here before, in fact, but uh, if, if Twyla or any of her family see this, uh, make sure that you pass along to her that we wished her a happy birthday today on Coffee Breaks. And then I have cousins who are twins, Lisa Woolley and Lori Plue, whose birthday is coming up this coming Thursday. And uh, so a happy birthday to Lisa and Lori on this February 16th coming up. So if you have a, a special day, those are the ones that I had on my list, but if you have a special day this week, a birthday, an anniversary, something that you would like us to celebrate with you, please feel free to go ahead and put that in the, yeah, Lori's, Lori's picture kind of looked like she was going early. Um, <clears throat> but if you, uh, if you have a special day, make sure you put it in the chat so that we can celebrate with you. Rick, I saw up there that you said, I thought that was every day. I think you're referring to the random acts of kindness day. I do too. I think every day should be random acts of kindness day. I don't think that we necessarily, I think sometimes the special days remind us that we should be doing certain things every day. And that for me includes the, the, when we have those special days that recognize eating chocolate. I think it's just a reminder that, oh yeah, we should be eating chocolate every day, right? Drinking coffee every day. All right. That's, I think that's all I really needed to say about that at the moment, right? 
Anything else going on? I'm just looking at the uh, chat here. And by the way, if you do tune in later, I mentioned tuning in later to wish a happy birthday. But you're, if you're watching this live, do participate in the conversation. But if you tune in later and you're watching this recorded, uh, you can also participate in the continue to participate in the chat. Leave your comments as you're watching, particularly if you go back and watch this recorded on Facebook. I know that we're also on other platforms, but this is the easiest place to make sure that you are participating in the chat and are part of the conversation. All right, listen, I want to introduce our topic. I want to introduce my guest today. And um, I'll tell you, this is someone who I have known for several years and uh, very much a, a a real mentor to me and a colleague and also a dear, dear friend. So let me tell you a little bit about my guest today. She's an author, a professional speaker, an advisor, trusted advisor. It's part of her description, her professional description. And we'll talk about that a little bit. An executive coach, nonprofit fundraising expert. Her versatility in numerous fields has prepared her to take on entrepreneurial approach take an entrepreneurial approach to business and nonprofit management. She served as an executive director, board member, major gifts officer, and founder for numerous nonprofit organizations. Her latest book, Fundraising in the Post-Pandemic World, has received high praise as the ultimate guide to enrolling long-term donors in the face of uncertainty. She holds a degree in journalism and a minor in Spanish from San Jose State University. Her speaking career includes dozens of seminars a year and has taken her across the country as a keynote speaker for the National Auctioneers Association, the Association of Fundraising Professionals, guest lecturer at numerous universities, and as a commencement speaker. She is a trained auctioneer and holds the prestigious Benefit Auctioneer Specialist designation. She is a trusted advisor and mentor to entrepreneurs, business owners, benefit auctioneers, and development professionals. Join me, please, in welcoming to Coffee Breaks with Steve, my dear friend and uh, professional colleague, Didi Kiso. There she is. Hey, Didi. Good morning. Cheers. Oh. Uh, it's good to have you here. You know, you have been a, a viewer of this show on numerous occasions. And um, it's it's just nice to finally get you on here to actually give you an opportunity to share some of your experiences and expertise. And, and you know, we're going to talk a little bit about this in the context of the nonprofit world, because that's where you and I have shared so much experience. But, but all of this really overlaps to life. I mean, it, we're talking today about about knowledge and sharing knowledge and how we communicate the things that we know in an effective way. And, and I mean, just to start with, just thinking about the fact that there is literally nobody in the world that doesn't have something to share, right? I mean, I mean, knowledge is about that we, and, and they talk about the fact that there are two kinds of knowledge. There's explicit knowledge, which is like the stuff that is, is printed or, or, codified in some way or documented and there's tacit knowledge which is just our wisdom our experiences the things that we've picked up along the way and you combine those and we have these fantastic opportunities to empower the people around us and that as parents that that's our kids as teachers it's our students as mentors, it's the people we're helping to raise up to be the next at doing whatever it is we do as managers whatever so what are your thoughts just in general about knowledge sharing from your own background and experience. Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Thanks for having me. Good morning, everybody. I'm so excited to be here. So I, I was at a, uh, 
a conference a couple of weeks ago uh, in Miami and this topic came up and, you know, I do a lot of things. Uh, I've even been to chef school. I, you know, do this. I like to really, really learn. I don't like to just read a cookbook because you, what can you learn? Can you be a chef by reading a cookbook? Not so much. You can get some ideas about some ingredients, but to get to that next level, you need to put your hands in it and do it. And it's learned by doing. And so there's uh, three levels of this knowledge. Um, there's awareness and you're going to get that by reading that cookbook, right? Yeah. And then, you know, if I'm speaking about stuff, I am showing that I know stuff and I'm transferring skills, hopefully, right? I got this out of this conference with Alan Weiss. But if you work with a coach or an expert, you're going to get that transfer of knowledge and the opportunity to apply it to become mm -hmm. an expert yourself and to learn by doing. So then you make it your own and you do it in a proper way. So to go back to expertise. So I do a lot of things. I couldn't figure out what it is I really do. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you put a label on it, right? For, but my favorite thing to do is to invite community, work with grassroots to greatness, to bring people together for joyful outcomes. And I don't mind asking for some money along the way, um, using the skills of going to auction school and doing several galas. So my expertise, I was told, because I had my peers tell me, who am I? What do I do? And so I changed my LinkedIn. And it says, I help you raise money, raise more money faster than you've ever seen before. And yeah, that's what I do. So my expertise is that. Yeah. Now, I have expertise in other things. And here is what I want to put out there right now is people are like, well, what could I be an expert in? If anybody's ever asked you, how do I do this? Maybe you're perceived as an expert in that. And I, we get our expertise by life experiences in um, the adventures that you've had, vacations, mm -hmm. um, your education, your friends, your relatives, your parents, the skills that you develop, uh, mentors, and, you know, serendipitous experiences. So it takes yeah. years to build a vast array of knowledge and the confidence to elevate others at the right time in a joyful yeah. way with the knowledge, not being a know-it-all. And, and you just said something key there, not being a know-it-all, because I, I was kind of looking at that this last week, too, and kind of what's the difference between a know-it-all, and we all heard that little cliche phrase, and we've applied it to people. Maybe it's been applied to us at times about certain things, but there's a difference between being a know-it-all, which is really about, if I'm a know-it-all, I may be telling people things, but it's really about me. I'm trying to bring it back to me. It's an ego thing. Mm -hmm. And if I'm a knowledge sharer, it's saying I am willing to release something that's a part of me for someone else. I want them to grow as a result. I've been in situations, and, and you may have too, Didi, where there are people, lots of times this happens in a work situation where somebody is insecure, that if they share what they know and what they do, that all of a sudden they're dispensable. And they're afraid to share that knowledge because they think that somehow now they're giving away their ownership or their territory or their security. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just maybe talk about that for a minute because I, I think that happens and that can happen beyond work situations. I think even sometimes as parents, I've, I've been aware of families in which a parent doesn't want 
to share too much knowledge with the child because they don't want they want the child to be to continue to be dependent upon them for everything. Mm-hmm. And you know it can happen in so many situations. How do we how do we work past that? And it looks like Dee Dee's frozen up here for a minute, so we're going to make sure that we're not losing her completely in the in the shuffle here. But we're going to get her back. Okay, you just froze up for just a second there, Dee Dee. So we didn't get a chance to hear your answer. So I'm going to let you take it. So this reminds me of a story. So years ago, um, my friend and I were invited to this like really nice cookie exchange party at Christmas, right? And my friend said, "I don't know how to cook anything," and he said, "Don't worry about it." I'll make your 12 dozen cookies. I'll put them in individual boxes. You just write your name on them and then I'll do my cookies and we'll go have a great time and you just don't tell anybody who made the cookies. So we get there and we start going around the circle and people are saying, oh, what did you put in that? What's your secret recipe? And my friend's like, "Uh," like that. And so, you know, I said, oh, Tracy, that's my favorite recipe. Let me help you out. So, you know, we kind of talked about that. We skipped her, we came to me and then somebody else had the most delicious caramel corn. Okay, come on. Caramel corn. And she said, that's a family recipe and I'm never sharing it. And it just was a big damper on the entire party. I was like, you know, um, I might've been a little uh, less wise and I I got my nose a little (laughs) out of joint because I just thought that was the most ridiculous thing. But when we share knowledge, those of us who are generous, we want to always realize that, you know, you're not telling someone how to be you. You you can only be you because of your own experiences. And you want to also ensure that when you're sharing the information, it's being received so they can make good use of it. So I want to always like read the person's face. Do you have any questions? And, you know, if you need more, we could work together in the future. Um, If it's a work situation, Uh, some of my best clients working with nonprofit fundraising uh, go into a program where we meet up every week and there's accountability. Did you do this? How'd yeah. you do it? Did it work? Did it not work? So if you're sharing information, you want to make sure the other person at least gets it with a handle and they can take it with them and um, you don't leave out important details. Do you remember a point, and this is kind of a loaded question because <laughs> you and I have kind of talked about this before, but do you remember a point where you stopped being the the knowledge receiver and started becoming the knowledge sharer about areas of expertise? You know, I think that depends on what my area was at the time. Yeah. Right. So in college, I started this bike-a-thon that went for 72 hours and I was telling everybody how to do it because I had this idea how to raise money and it raised a ton of money. So I've always been really generous about sharing about money. Um, I will say as a young parent, I didn't share a lot of parenting advice because I felt that I was still in the learning curve but I got great stuff in that area now. Now yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't it amazing? I, I remember having some, um, I remember even having some people who tried to tell me how to raise my kids and their kids weren't even at the same stage that mine were yet. And it was amazing how much their, their advice changed once their kids were at the age, you know, it's like they were telling me <laughs> they had toddlers and they were telling me how to raise preteens. And then when their kids were at that preteen level, all of a sudden they had a whole different perspective on it. I, and I think part of the reason that, you know, something that you said there and I think is relevant is that there's always going to be some areas where we're still the knowledge receiver, right? I mean, we're lifelong learners, really. If we're if we really want to be effective at what we do, we're always looking. 
I, I remember having a, um, a great mentor, and I'm going to kind of rephrase what he told me, but there should always be people. You should have three people or three types of people in your life. You should have the people who are your mentors that you're learning from at any stage of your life. There's always stuff that you can be picking up from someone else who's wiser, who has more knowledge, more expertise, more experience than you. There should be those equals, those people who are your peers that you just, you can talk through things. Sometimes there's just sharing where you are in life, you're walking together. And you should have those people who you are mentoring, those people who are coming up behind you that, that you can prepare. And that happens in any kind of setting, any relationship, any phase of life. But you, there are always those people. And, and do you find that that's true for you, Didi? You, you, that even now you could say you have those people in your life. And you, as I was saying that, you can probably picture who some of those people are, right? Oh, absolutely. So I have the dearest friend from when I was 21. She's been the mom I never had. Um, you know, she's suffering right now with cancer. And um, just, you know, I wouldn't be as wise as I am and be able to not let things ruffle my feathers as a human um, without her great guidance. I'm always mentoring somebody. I have somebody calling me as soon as we get off this show. And I always believe, I mean, you've been a wonderful mentor to me. And, you know, as we've kind of leveled out a little bit and you still know way more about stuff than I do, mm. uh, I've <laughs> hired professional mentors and coaches because I could go get my MBA and um, that'd be great, but I'd be studying theory, remember? Yeah. I want to work with somebody who's been there, done that, who's the top in their field. And instead of climbing the ladder in classes and theory and eventually applying it and hopefully getting it right, I'm going to jump to the top of his ladder mm. and uh, let him transfer that knowledge yeah. and hold me accountable so I can move on to the next level. Instant application. And this makes me a better mentor to my mentees also. I don't think I know it all and um, I'm all good, and I can just spew out knowledge. I need to be challenging myself constantly. Constantly. To improve. You mentioned mentoring when you and I worked together in a couple of settings where we were both mentors and, and working with others and sharing a lot of cross-information about that. One of the things I always used to say when I was working with and, and facilitating and, and training other people to be mentors that I would say, if you don't, as a mentor, come away having learned just as much as the person you're mentoring, it was a waste of your time. And I still find that to be true, don't you? That, that in those processes of teaching others or mentoring others, that we come away still picking up new ideas and, and more knowledge. And sometimes it's because we got to figure out some way to help them get past an obstacle. And so we may have to go outside of ourselves, outside of our regular box, to pick up some some new knowledge and information that we can pass along. And I learn a lot from the people I mentor. Oh, I do too. And you know, one of my favorite things is when I do courses on Zoom. I love courses on Zoom where we can have all these faces. And um, I, I did a course last year. It was an eight-week course on how to build your gala, right? And I had people at all different levels. But, you know, the first week we're talking about this piece and that piece and the questions that came up everybody was learning and I'm learning too because some questions were outside of the curriculum that I had created. And I thought, Oh, whoever put that down in for the next time. Right. So kind of iron sharpening iron is what yes. I've been told. And it is so valuable. And we're building friendships. Among That's people. the other thing. Isn't that another great part of this whole thing is that, is that some great relationships often come out of these points where we're sharing knowledge 
do you also find we kind of brushed on this, I think a little bit, and it comes through just to now you're describing it, but I think that sharing knowledge and even wanting to possess more knowledge about something so we can share it often typically is associated with having a passion for something. I mean, it's very difficult to, to continue to build on experiences and to have those adventures if it's not around something that we are excited about ourselves, right? Well, the problem is I love so many things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, 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 you know, years ago I went to chef school and it's because I got this every class that this chef school in San Francisco taught, you could get every class that they taught for a whole year. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> there's no way I could ever wow. get that. So, um, like, I fell asleep and it was at the KTEH TV auction, right? And it, you okay. know, yeah. and, you know, being an auctioneer now, I know why that didn't sell for very much money because leaving it open till two in the morning and thinking someone will buy it, um, well, it was me. <laughs> so, my husband woke me up and went, guess what? You got that class, right? But then I went. And Steve, I drove from San Jose to San Francisco two, three times a week because wow. the gift card said every class we offer. Yeah. And I missed maybe one. And I remember they came to me and they said, when we donated this, we didn't think somebody would come to every class. <laughs> but that was a passion at the time. I loved yeah. it. I wound up doing a little bit of catering on the side for fun, realized that wasn't my passion after all. I just liked the white jacket. Um but, you know, just two weeks ago, I had a wonderful wine-paired dinner. I made a six-course meal for somebody as an appreciation and building a relationship with this person who's a, a big donor now in my nonprofit organization. Wow. That's excellent. I um, Gosh, there's so many things to talk about here. You, you have a background. You mentioned your degree in journalism. You also have a background in broadcast journalism and communications. How much has that, do you think, complemented and impacted some of the things that you have done since as you've gotten into the nonprofit work and, you know, auctioneering events, just generally communicating with people? Because that's that's one of the things, you hear this old saying, Didi, that, and I remember actually having this one thrown at me a few times, those who cannot do teach. <laughs> Which I think is a, a that's this, this is an old cliche saying those who can't do teach. And it's like, really? No, that has not been my experience. I think not everybody who, who is knowledgeable is a good teacher. We have to learn certain skills to be able to communicate the things that we know effectively. But how much of your background in communication do you think was a driver for some of the methodologies that you have developed in the ways in which you you utilize the knowledge that you have to share with others? Well, that's a fantastic question, and I'm going to answer it three different ways. Cool. <laughs> so, number one, you know, I'm the first in my family to even finish eighth grade, right? Kind of grew up in foster care, so I was kind of like self-taught, and thank goodness for teachers that said, I, you'd be great at journalism, you're a great writer, you're a communicator, you're funny. So I majored in journalism because I thought that would be just really a good thing. And I had mentor teachers all along the way that made sure I didn't quit. And part of that the teachers was about telling the truth, listening to others and make sure you report it in a truth and accurate way. You reflect on other people in the best way possible. And so always keeping that in mind when I'm communicating. Also, you know, when, when I went to auction school and I, this is true, a lot of people who do news think that they can show up and do your 
charity gala, right? Right, well, right? I went to auction school. And let me tell you, that was, I have never in all the training I've ever done had anything more stressful and challenging than auction school. Because here I come be bopping in a, uh, you know, a little uh, dress and a jacket and high heels and everybody there's a cowboy with a big hat. They've been going to auctions their whole life and it was a completely different experience. I did not know how to talk like that. And I did not know the psychological strategies and the profiles and the things that you need to have in your mind all the time. And the final day, you get handed three things you've never seen before. You sell them to the people in the town who have arrived because they love to come to the uh, graduation auction with the new auctioneers. Now, <laughs> no TV news prepared me for any of that. So I'm so happy to have that. But here's something that's really hilarious. Last week, a local high school who has their own journalism department called me and they said, our kids need help. You're our auctioneer and I know you do broadcasting and you, you talk, you love to talk on camera and you're really good. And could, could you, you know, how much would you charge just to come and, and do one class? I'm like, oh my gosh, I get to do a class. That'll be fun. <laughs> we went in and for an hour, I worked with these young kids in high school and they are so good. So you see, I had that exact talk with them. And I said, this is a journalism class. You're the TV news. And because you guys are so stiff and you seem to not be enjoying yourself, a lot of people haven't signed up for this, but you're here because you have the nerve and the confidence to get out there. So let's make the show so exciting and fun. And so we did, you know, like the this before you get up and the, this and the this and the toss and the change. You don't read the newsletter, you have a uh, bullet points and you ad lib and their show was so good last week. And they sent me a box of chocolates. Oh, <laughs> I love that. I love that. You, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that I've seen you develop in your work over the last few years as we've known each other, because you've always been during the time that I've known you, you've always been a good presenter as an auctioneer, as a, as a, as a communicator, as a person who can get up in front of a group of people and and have a presence, that's always been something that you've done. And obviously your background in being able to do like video broadcast as a newscaster, et cetera, you've used video as a medium, not only to do things like during COVID, I know that you did a lot even in, in bringing events to people by video, but you've done a lot of sharing information and, and disseminating information using video. You wrote your book uh, in the last couple of years and, and you've utilized some things that I know were a stretch even for you. Can you talk <laughs> about some of the things and, and how you kind of came to that point of, of, stretching beyond even what you were comfortable with to bring some other methods into play. Oh gosh. Well, the big <laughs> one was that zoom Zilla gala, right? So we couldn't be together. And uh, I had never done a Tony Robbins, but Tony Robbins was coming to San Jose. Somebody got me a ticket and then COVID hit and he couldn't come. And I got this phone call. It said, you're going to go on zoom and you'll see Tony Robbins. And I'm like, well, okay, we'll do that. And then I saw these zoom cameras all over the place. And I'm like, that's exactly what I could do. I could do that. So I didn't know how to do it and nobody could tell me how to do it because the people who created it, created it just for Tony Robbins. Yeah. So I got hold of them and uh, wonderful. They did some outward reach uh, stuff and inspired stuff. And then the next thing I know is I went into my friend's TV station. I told her, let's meet, let's talk about this. And 
She was bummed because she couldn't open up her broadcast studio. Then I called my buddy, Luis, who's a wonderful videographer, and we sat down and I drew a picture. This is what I want. I want to be able to stand here. I want three cameras and, um, you know, I want multiple screens. I need to see everybody so we can bring all of these people in for a live gala without delays and without them using their phone and with them using like a bid card. So I could say, oh, you there in the blue shirt, I see your number 319 will be in at $500. And then somebody over here in the red shirt, there's 312 at $1,000, right? So I was doing a live auction, gala fundraiser wow. with uh, three screens, uh, 25 to 30 people a screen, and we raised hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it was a little whiplash, I'll tell you, because sure. at that point, you'll remember Zoom, if you had, uh, people were not uh, stable. So they yeah. could disappear and go over here and sometimes appear twice. And I'm trying to remember who, what number was it with that last call number, then I'm looking for somebody else, right? So that was a little kooky. Um, I love the adrenaline and I love the opportunity. It was like TV news, right? Yeah. I'm like, Steve. on the fly. Crazy. Yeah. Steve, what could you tell us why we should all give? So, so, so fun. So what I hear you saying, and I mean, we're going to, I know we're going to run short on time. This is, this should have been an hour and a half show. Um, is that part of it is it comes back to that idea that you constantly to really use different methodologies. We constantly need to be getting outside of our own comfort zone and out of our own box and picking up new knowledge and new ways of doing things. I mean, the principles of what we do and the principles of knowledge sharing don't change, but methodologies have certainly shifted. We saw that happen during COVID, but we've seen a lot of other things. Your book, um, which by the way, we will share, I'm going to share some information on my pages and on my sites uh, where you can find out more about how to follow up with Dee Dee. If you want to learn more from her about some of these things, you want to see her book. If you're involved with or know somebody who's involved with nonprofits, she is a great, great resource. And beyond nonprofits, just as a, as a, a business coach and um, a, a personal coach, you could reach out to Dee Dee as well and, and in her free time. We'll talk about that right at the end. But um, where was I going with that? Just, oh, the fact that even when you wrote your book, you know, it would, there would have been a point where writing a book meant getting in touch with a publisher and, and figuring out how you were going to get the publisher to cover printing a minimum of 10,000 copies to put in bookstores, et cetera. Now we can we can self-publish in many cases. Books can be made available electronically to download. And that was something that you kind of had to figure out along the way, too, I know. I want to take a couple of minutes here and bring up something that you and I've talked about before. And it's a topic that in and of itself could take an entire episode. And we're going to at some point, but imposter syndrome as knowledge as experts and knowledge sharers. One of the things that if we're really honest, we all fight is that there are times that in certain situations we think, Oh, do, do I really know as much as these people who are asking me to, to come in and do this think that I know? Yes. You're an expert in a lot of things. You've already said that. Do you ever deal with imposter syndrome? And how do you overcome that? I do. I do. You know, I think my worst day ever, I was in Vegas for this big gala. And um, the night before I walked down to the ballroom and I looked and there are cranes. There are people with hard hats and they're building this giant wall of cameras and screens. And there's, a you know, hundreds of tables and people just working. And I'm like, wow, I wonder what this event is. And uh, somebody came up and I talked for a minute. I go, oh, this is your event. <laughs> what? Right? This is like crazy. <laughs> and so 
I went back to my room. I got sick. I had a migraine headache. I was sick all the next day. I'm like, I can't do this. Uh, and so I called my buddy, Jonathan. I'm like, John, you got to get here. I can't. He goes, I can't get there. I'm in South Dakota. You're on your own on this thing. There's nobody else <laughs> like, in hundreds of miles that can even do what you do. You got it. And so I went on that stage and uh, took a deep breath and just kind of laid into it. And we made hundreds of thousands of dollars. But uh, boy, did I get myself into a mess. And the only people who don't ever get imposter syndrome are narcissists. I think you're right. And, and you know, we've all dealt with, I, I call it playing the old tapes, where sometimes that imposter syndrome comes up in situations where what we start repeating in our brain are those times that somebody said something to us that was critical. Somebody said something to us that was a put down. Something, somebody said something to us that made us feel that we weren't good enough. And isn't it amazing that sometimes we, it's easier to carry those things than it is all of the successes, all the times that somebody said, wow, thank you. I'm so much better for this. Didi, we're going to run short on time, but I want to ask you one more thing. And that is, what do you look for in a knowledge sharer? If you're looking to gain knowledge and you're encountering people, I mean, obviously you're going to look for, you're going to look for somebody who knows something you don't know, but what are some of the qualities you look for in someone that you would want to have as a mentor or have as a teacher for your for yourself? Thank you. Well, I look for somebody that I would aspire to be. Like, are they a wonderful speaker? Do they have wonderful integrity and a following of the greatest people? Hmm. And, uh, you know, just integrity, honesty, um, you know, treating other people the way they want to be treated all the time. Yeah. Uh, those are people that I want to hang out with. And if they're a superstar in what it is I want to learn, I'll start by reading their book, listening to them speak. And, uh, you know, the next step is hiring them. Yeah. Yeah. Engaging them to, to take on that role. There is so much more that we could talk about, which may mean that we need to have you back. And I know you're going to be back. I mentioned a couple of things here real quick. Um, one of the things I didn't mention in, in introducing you is that you are also serving as the executive director of an organization called the Saber Six Foundation, which uh, we're, we're, I'm, I'll give a little teaser here that we're going to have you back along with the person who founded the Saber Six Foundation, uh, Colonel Chris Kalenda, uh, in a couple of months. Actually, it's going to be about three months. We're, we're going to have you back uh, around that. And we'll be sharing more about that as we get closer to the time. But I just want to let people know, I mentioned this again, that Didi is, you don't have a lot of free time. I know you don't, but you always make time. You seem to make time for people. And that's one of the things that I've always appreciated about you. And so we're going to put out more information out there about how you can follow up with Didi and ask her more questions and find her book and, and a lot of other things. But any final thoughts or anything you, you want to share before we let you get on with your weekend? Well, let's just send everybody off with a, some joyful advice. And that is share kindly and lovingly. Share freely. Uh, people aren't coming to steal you. There's only one you. And, uh, you know, spread that joy. Let other people elevate them with something that you've learned. And uh, don't let them fall into a hole if you can help it, right? Yeah. And if they are in a hole, reach down there and help them out. That's right. Help him get out. Didi Kiso, I appreciate you, my friend. We'll be talking again really soon. You take care and have a great weekend. You too. Thanks for all you do. Oh, thank you. Uh, I can never get enough. Didi and I 
talk on a fairly regular basis, not as often as we probably should, but in every conversation, I tell you, it, it, is, it is typical that when we have a conversation that we talk about the fact that we always come away, each of us, feeling better informed, better inspired. And, and she's just one of those people in my life who, who does inspire me, who does lift me up. So thanks, Dee for being here. I want to share just very quickly some things that are coming up in the next few weeks so that you know what's going to be happening on uh, Coffee Breaks. Next week, we have a, a lady by the name of Izzy Stein, who is a, a musical artist. She performs regularly in multiple venues in New York and uh, actually, I think, also in Los Angeles now. But just a, an amazing, you know, some a, a young singer who sings a lot of jazz and, and classic pieces and pop and blues and just a, a, a fantastic voice, but also a very, very interesting individual. I think you'll enjoy meeting Izzy when she is on next week. And then in a couple of weeks, Moni Knopp is going to be on the show. Moni is a, another person that I got to know in California and his story is absolutely amazing. Born in the killing fields of Cambodia, immigrating to the United States as a child, going through just a lot uh, in that in that uh, being a, a refugee and, and growing up, getting to a place where he actually served as a police officer and has continued to serve his community in amazing ways. And we're just going to talk about how we give back. Uh, with Moni, because that is an area uh, you talk about somebody who's an expert and knowledge holder that that's Moni. And then we're going to wrap up the month of February with a return, another return guest. Um, if you were here, I think it's been now a couple of years. It was during the early part of COVID that we had Katie Truesdale on here. She's the owner of a travel company called Magical Mystery Tours. They put together surprise vacation and tour packages for people. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but I also want to talk to Katie about just how things look as travel is coming back after COVID. What has changed permanently? What's still in flux? And what is she seeing happening in the world of travel as, uh, as she is continuing to not only provide those surprise vacations for people, but just in general, helping people put together tours and, and tour packages. If there are topics that you're interested in, guests that you would like to see on Coffee Breaks with Steve, you can send me an email at cbwsteve, that's for Coffee Breaks with Steve, if you're trying to remember those initials, cbwsteve at comcast.net and share those ideas. It's particularly helpful if there's somebody you think would be an interesting guest who you know, and you can make an introduction to. That's very helpful as well. So please consider doing that. Um, just a reminder as well that uh, we are available on multiple podcast sites after the fact, and um, you can you can continue to see recorded versions of the show on Facebook and on YouTube. But we're also available on the podcast sites on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. See, even at the end of the show, man, it's still Apple Podcast and Google Podcast. Within a day or two of the show, those recorded versions are available, so you can continue to go out there and find those. Listen, we talked about it today, and it's something that's always on my mind and my heart, but we all have knowledge. We all have things that we can be doing that make a difference and uh, I, I just, you, we need to be empowered to do that. If it's sharing knowledge, if it's reaching out a hand, if it's random acts of kindness, not just one day a year, but every day, 
just do me a favor, do yourself a favor and do something special for the people around you. Find a way to make a difference in your world this week. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.